counterattack. With the clone army stretched in a desperate attempt to engage General Grievous's Starfleet, separatist planets that were once thought secure are now rising up against the Republic. On Geonosis, separatist leader Pago the Lesser, safe in his newly ray-shielded factories, creates thousands of terrible new weapons which march off the assembly line against the outnumbered clone army. The Jedi, resolute in their effort to restore order to the Republic, mount a massive invasion to retake Geonosis and shut down Poggle's factories of terror once and for all. Tigar, welcome to the 58th Geonosian Droid Factory Destroying episode of Mandovision. Nargai Tom, and thank you so much for checking out this small, independent Star Wars podcast. Remember, the best way to reach out to us is via social media at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can also email the show at MandovisionTom at gmail.com. And since I've brought up the social medias, I just want to put it out there. Never, ever, ever will I be one of those people on Twitter who posts their rankings of the of the Star Wars movies. I feel like that is a move that is just designed to get attention and start fights, <laughs> and I don't want to do it. If you want to email me and contact me, I'll talk about my favorites and my least favorites. But like, I I, I don't need to I don't need to poke the bear. That's gonna that kind of list invariably upsets somebody. So why do it? As long as we're all liking Star Wars, that's all that really, really matters, isn't it? All right, enough of that. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and share this show with all the other Mandalorians in your covert. If possible or so inclined, please give us those sweet, sweet, sweet five-star reviews. They help defeat the, uh, the the tyranny of the algorithm. It's just like the Empire and needs to be brought down a peg or two. Probably all the way, let's be honest. And uh, they really help the small independent podcasts like us stand out and not get lost in the shuffle. Well, welcome back. We're, we're doing another... We're back to the Clone Wars. We're here to revisit our rewatch of Star Wars: The Clone Wars. Uh, uh, one of one of our favorite one of our favorite things ever is talking about the Clone Wars. It's such a fun show, and this episode today is no exception. We're here for season two, episode five, landing at Point Rain. The original air date on this was November fourth, two thousand and nine, uh, and it's it's quite the episode. Uh, it's one that I definitely uh, my memories of it are a little fuzzy. Uh, from from when I first watched it, you know, so long ago, and uh, going back to see this episode was a lot of fun. Uh, parts of it came back to me in 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 a, in a flash, um, but I think the most striking thing with this episode is is just it's very heavily action oriented, um, but in a way that is so very George Lucas and so very Star Wars. This episode is very much uh, this the Star Wars Clone Wars equivalent of watching an old uh, World War II movie, the type of film that, that George Lucas would have grown up watching and, uh, and, and has inspired a lot, of the, a lot of the takes and the visuals from the Clone Wars and, and a lot of those, you know, we, we see that in the prequels, especially the influence 
of of old World War II movies on Lucas in in, in the prequels with the ship designs and 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 uh, you know the similar visual aesthetics that that maybe you know you like oh I kind of see where that's like a you know B fifty two or whatever. Uh, you know, you, you get a lot of that from Lucas in 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 the prequel trilogy that carries throughout into the into the Star Wars the Clone Wars cartoon. And this episode is, I think, this episode to me very much feels like a, like a love letter to, directly to the World War II movies of of his childhood. And and uh, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. There's a lot of uh, really great World War II movies from that era, and uh, they pay homage to a lot of them in the, in this episode. So we're gonna get into it. We're gonna give it the breakdown, and. Uh, it, this may not be the most uh, dialogue-heavy episode that I do. You know, you know how I like to kind of sneak in some clips from the show here and there. There's not, there's not as many to get into in this episode because I mean, it is a lot of just action sequences. And uh, as this is an audio format podcast, as many podcasts are, <laughs> you don't need to hear blaster fire and you know lightsabers swooshing in the air. So we're gonna, we, you know, it may be a little minimal on, on on audio clips today, but we're still gonna make it a fun show. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. So let's get into it. But before we do that, one more thing, one more piece of business to take care of. Strap on your buckets. Let's go. You're late. Sorry, Master. Ahsoka and I were busy routing the Seppies near Doran. My squadron alone had 55 kills. Yeah, but mine had 76. Show off. Well, I'm glad you two are enjoying yourselves. Hey, it's just a little friendly competition, Master. Nothing to worry about. What I worry about is the way this war seems to be drawing out with no end in sight. Which is why it is crucial our invasion of Geonosis meets with success. As I said earlier, this is Season 2, Episode 5, Landing at Point Rain, original air date November 4th, 2009. Our plot for this episode, Anakin, Ahsoka, Obi-Wan, and Ki Adimundi lead a landing party to destroy a droid factory on Geonosis. That very droid factory we learned about in the previous episode, Senate Spy. All right, this episode is directed by Brian O'Connell, who's just been killing it in, uh, on this show. So, so, so fantastic. The episode is written by Brian Larson with Drew Z. Greenberg as the supervising writer. Our voice cast today, Matt Lanter as Anakin Skywalker, Brian George, <laughs> Brian George, Brian George as Key Adamundi, uh, D. Bradley Baker as the Clone Troopers, Captain Rex, Commander Cody, Waxer Boyle, and Commander Jet, Ashley Eckstein as Ahsoka Tano, James Arnold Taylor as Obi-Wan Kenobi, Tom Kane as the narrator, Yoda and Admiral Yularen, Olivia Yadabo has a small, small cameo here as Luminara Unduli, Terrence T.C. Carson steps in to be Mace Windu, Ian McCrombie is Chancellor Palpatine, and Matthew Wood takes over once again as the battle droids so we got like i said this is a really uh intense action-packed episode of, of the show uh but before we kind of dive into the episode i did want to spend a little time talking about one of one of my favorite characters uh in this in this in this episode you know we, we he's popped up in previous episodes of the clone wars and you know obviously we recognize him from the prequel tr- trilogies we're, we're talking about of course about jedi master key adimundi and uh Listen, Key has um, he has what we like to say uh, us old fans. Uh, he has a lot of uh, forgotten history about him, and and I, I kind of wanted to share a little bit of that with you because uh, again, if you go into Wikipedia and you just look on the on the the canon tab, you know Key is is a relatively blank canvas as far as that goes. You know, a lot of the stuff they they reference are events from the series, from the animated Clone Wars series, and the movies. And that's kind of all the key Adamundi stuff you get that is considered to be canon about the character. Now, I, I know I do that old man thing where I talk about uh, days of yesteryear and then ye old times. 
But uh, <laughs> back in ye old times, before the acquisition of Star Wars by Disney, when we had the expanded universe going full force, we had Dark Horse with the, with the comic book license, and we had, we had the, the, the multitude of novels hitting the shelves. Uh, Dark Horse, in particular, uh, did a fantastic job of helping flesh out Ki Adimundi as a, as a Jedi and a character. Uh, he was the star of, of their recently launched Star Wars comic book that came out shortly after The Phantom Menace. It might, I want to say after The Phantom Menace came out. It might have been right before. Um, but they, I think they, they probably timed it to coincide with the two things. But the early issues of that series uh, were set prior to the events of A Phantom Menace. The Phantom Menace, excuse me. And again, Key was the, sort of the star of this book. And we got to know a lot about him. And he had a really... Uh, unique backstory. Uh, he's he's a Syrian Jedi uh, from the planet Syria, 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 Sarah. I know I'm saying it wrong, because you know you read it a thousand times and you t- you know how to say it in your brain, but your brain might be saying it wrong, and then then you have to you have to hear like Lucas say it in a movie for you to know if you're saying it correctly. <laughs> it's like it's it's spelled C E R E A. All right, so that that's where he's from. That part seems to hold. Um, one of the big differences with with the canon version of Key versus his Legends version is uh, the, this version we know in the Clone Wars seems to have a, what they call a binary brain, which allows him to observe uh, things from multiple advantages, advantage points, I guess is the, the right way to say that. Uh, he's able to sort of three, have like a 360-degree view of every uh, situation he finds himself in. He's able to look at both sides of things, not just his own, I suppose. And, and that's an interesting thing. I, I think they explore that a little bit here in the Clone Wars show, so I don't want to say too much about it right now. Uh, that wasn't really part of his deal in the old canon. But what I thought was really cool and really interesting and when I, what I thought might uh, sort of dovetail into, into events with Anakin, you know, later in the film series and, and you know, by the time we get to the Clone Wars, is um, he, because of his, his people, they have... Um, they have real big problems with with birth rates, you know, with birth rates and survival rates of infants on their planet. So Kiatamundi has a sort of uh, exemption from the Jedi Order, so that he is allowed to uh, be married and have children uh, in order to help his uh, species survive. And I, I've always thought that was something that would be really interesting, uh, you know, when Anakin gets to the point where he has to live a secret life. And be married to Padme in secret, and uh, but they never get to that. That never comes to fruition because that never pays off in 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 anything other than than the lore in the comics. You know, it, it never gets brought up in the Clone Wars. It never gets brought up in any of the films. Uh, but it was one of those really unique things that I thought would be, oh wow, this is such a, a really great thing to kind of compare and contrast Anakin as he progresses through his story. You know, to have a character like Ki Adamundi, a a respected, revered, you know, Jedi Master on the on the on the Jedi High Council, uh, who who has this permission slip basically to go out there and have kids and and live that life. Now, Ki does try to obey some of the basic fundamentals of of the Jedi Code. Uh, he tries to keep emotional distance uh, from these children. You know, he he views it more as more of like his duty, his responsibility to help ensure his uh, species survival. Uh, but yeah, he's like, I think he has like five wives in the comics, five wives and like seven kids or something like that. It's a, it's really interesting stuff. And it's, it's, it's one of those angles on the character that I always thought was really, really, uh, again, like I said, I thought it would be really 
interesting to uh, again to compare and contrast with Anakin. And here it is. I have it written down. It's five wives and seven children. Uh, but again, he did try to keep some emotional de- detachment, kind of keep that Jedi aloofness about the whole situation. Uh, but again, you know, sometimes when sometimes you throw the baby the baby out with the bathwater, as the saying goes. So uh, when all this stuff went to Disney, out went the the uh, the Dark Horse led, uh, continuity. Basically, they all started from scratch. And the only piece of canon that we really have about Ki Adamundi is right here in, in Star Wars: The Clone Wars. But again, a, a great, a, a neat Jedi. I've always liked his look, the kind of a conical head of his with like the, the white wisp of hair coming out the top. And I always liked the, the way he was sort of portrayed in the films. I, I liked, even though he's wrong, egregiously wrong, every time he talks in the movies, he is so, so wrong. When, when Qui-Gon uh, uh, says, you know, he believes he was attacked by a Sith on Tatooine, and, and, and it's key, he's like, the, the Sith has been, you know, gone for a millennium, or something like that. And then, in episode two, he says uh, uh, something along the lines that, uh, that, that uh, oh, excuse me, I keep wanting to say Darth Tyrannus, but he doesn't call him Tyrannus. He's just Dooku, Count Dooku. He's not capable of violence and murder because he used to be a Jedi Knight. And that's sort of like an example of that binary brain of his, but it's just also an example of that binary brain not making him any smarter than anybody else because he's just dead wrong. Dead, dead wrong. And then we see Kai, Ki, I'm sorry, Ki Adamundi, uh, we see him meet his final fate in episode three, with the ordering, with the execution of Order sixty six, uh, where he's killed by his clone trooper forces on uh, Megito, and so uh, he, full circle with that guy. And then, if you really want to get into some more deep, deep lore with that character, um, his lightsaber comes into play in several of the new Marvel comic books, uh, in, in in the Black Spire books in particular, uh, and then in a fashion at Disneyland. Now, if you go, to, if you make it to Star Wars Land. And you're at the Black Spire outpost. Kiyata Mundi's lightsaber is supposedly there on display. So enjoy that piece of knowledge. But hey, we're not here to, for the, the Kiyata Mundi hour. We're here to talk about landing at Point Rain. So let's get into it. No, sir. I wasn't involved in the first assault on Geonosis. Well, you didn't miss much. Last time I was chained to a pole and attacked by several humongous monsters. That sounds entertaining. It was. For the Genosians. All right. Hey, listen. I got one more thing to say about about Kiata Mundi. If you do go back and kind of revisit those old Dark Horse comics, uh, Marvel still publishes them. Publishes them. They are still collected. They just have that Gold Legends banner on them. Uh, you'll you'll notice in the second arc uh, of that Star Wars series that Dark Horse put out that uh, writer artist extraordinaire Tim Truman comes on board to to lead the next adventure of Kiata Mundi. And it's a mission that takes him to Tatooine, again, before the events of The Phantom Menace, uh, where he has to find a, a missing Jedi, a Jedi named uh, Sherrod Het. And uh, what we discover on this this incredible, incredibly well, this, uh, beautiful, beautiful art by Tim Truman. It's a wonderful story, too. Uh, but we find a Jedi who had uh, walked away from the Order and... and became a Tusken Raider voluntarily. You, you, you'll you see why. I mean, that's, that's all in the story there. I don't want to give too much away if, in case you do go back to reread it, but a really wonderful story there, and uh, I recommend that one highly. With that all being said, uh, you know, this episode in particular, we talked about it uh, very much in homage to the, to the the World War II movies of yesteryear, you know, Battle of the Bulge, those kind of things. Uh, and just extremely action-packed, intense a lot of really wonderful combat visuals in this episode uh, from that open staging area uh, where you get 
where you get uh, um, I don't know. You just sort of see the 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 ships descend, begin their attack, and the the aerial assault aspect of this, this beginning opening combat sequence uh, with the Republic ships, you know, attempting to get to the to the landing zone, uh, attempting to get to their staging area, and just being under such heavy uh, fire. Again, like th this is such a callback to the World War II movies of of, of way back when, um, and it's 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 very intense. It's very powerful. You're, I mean, you're watching clones and the ships they're in just being blown out of the sky, and uh, the Geonosians uh, are animated with such uh, uh, intensity in their in their faces as they uh, are protecting their home world uh, from what they perceive to be these invaders, and um, it's hard to not be struck by by that intensity again as we're just watching clones just get blown out of the sky being i mean you're basically defenseless when you're in in these ships you know there's some offensive capabilities but when you're under this barrage of fire from the ground uh you are specifically for the, the troopers that are you know just being there for the transport i mean there's nothing they can really do about it they're just hoping they can get to that landing zone and then and then you know give them a fighting chance you know, to see if they can survive the battle or not. Uh, but when you're just in the belly of that of those those ships, uh, that's got to be a really intense moment. I mean, even for these these clones who are who are born and bred for battle. But I mean, that's got to be a tad nerve wracking to just kind of be waiting <laughs> to see what happens. And again, we talked about the the ground fire from the Geonosians, and of course, it it it's a very effective way in which they combat the Republic's landing forces. All three Jedi's crash land onto the planet of, of Geonosis. They're all separated from each other. Uh, Obi-Wan and his forces in particular are very, very pinned down uh, where they crash. And uh, that, that leads to some stuff later on where we get to meet up with, uh, with Waxer and Boyle again, who you may remember from uh, episode 20 of season 1, The Innocence of Ryloth. Uh, they're the ones that find the small Chewylet girl. And then they take her around and eventually they all link back up with Obi-Wan. Well, we get Waxer and Boyle again. And this time they come to, uh, to uh, Obi-Wan's rescue as his ship is you know, stuck under fire, and they're able, unable to escape from it. And uh, Obi-Wan's a little banged up, a little worse for the wear on that one. Waxer and Boyle come to his rescue at the at the order of Commander Cody. Commander Cody's so dedicated, so loyal. Well, we know how that turns out. <laughs> but it, it's really cool, and... Uh, you know, again, it's... it's, it's I, I, I'm going to say it again. I mean, it's sort of like that classic thing, you know? The, the, the Allied forces are invading Europe... The Germans are repelling them with with the ground fire. The forces are scattered, and then they have to come back together to lead the assault that, that was the plan to begin with. And that's exactly what this episode is. And um, it's neat. It's really cool. You know, you get you get Anakin and Ahsoka and Rex. Their forces come up to a, to a giant fortress uh, that they had thought they were going to be able to get around. You know, assuming they were going to be able to land in the in the right landing zone. Uh, but now they have to they have to figure out how to scale this this wall this fortress. And blow it up and get to the other side. Again, this is all, it's all about linking the forces back up again so they can lead this assault because they have to stop this droid factory. That's the mission. That's the objective. You know, trying to retake Geonosis and put these droid factories out of commission once and for all. Again, lots of good stuff in here. Uh, Kai Adamundi is I'm sorry, Ki Adamundi is leading his forces. He takes them down this really scary, you know, passageway. Where me visually, I'm looking at him like, don't go in there. Don't go in there. So, not a surprise when the Geonosians pop out of the wall and start picking off clone troopers left and right. Uh, and I, that's an element of this episode uh, that, that is not to be overlooked as well. You, you get that sort of horror element 
of like these Geonosians swooping down and just picking up clone troopers and flying off with them to who knows where to do God knows what to them, you know, eat their heads or drop them off a cliff or you know whatever it is they're gonna do to them. It's just a, it's just a horrific way to die. And the screams that you hear from these troopers, you know, D. Bradley Baker selling it like these troopers know this is no way to go out. And then uh, so there's a nice and a really nice horror element to this episode as well in in that cavern scene in particular. Uh, but I mean, I guess if you wanted to paint that with broad strokes, I mean, it, it's all the horrors of war in in this one as well. Um, one of the highlights of this of this episode for me is, well, actually, well, I mean, let me before I get to the, the highlight here, let, <laughs> let me talk to you real quick about this. This episode, this this show in particular, does is is not shy with with violence on you know on on multiple occasions which is which is interesting uh because it is a star wars show and it is there is a, like obviously that 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 children's element that you know kids are probably watching this this was on the cartoon network uh, you know and it was it was played later in the evenings but you know not that late in the evenings this wasn't like adult swim or anything like that but the violence in this in in this episode in particular you, you do have to pay attention to it i mean keys kiatamundi calls in flame troopers and they're just torching geonosians all over the place and it's it's, it's interesting I, I i sort of i sort of had to wonder is this just because they look like bugs that we can just do this i mean they are a sentient species right <laughs> and we're just watching them get torched it was wild i mean listen it's war the horrors of war i said it before it's it's right there on front street but i i sort of wonder like would we have seen this would they have been able to get away with this if this was more of, of a, like a, if this was like the clone troopers being burned out with, with flamethrowers now don't get me wrong we see plenty of clone troopers die horrible deaths in this show i i just don't remember any of them being lit on fire like that that was something else i was like whoa <laughs> that was pretty 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 intense all right eventually our forces do get back together and it leads to one of my favorite sequences in this episode, uh, a, a real highlight of uh, Brian O'Connell's direction in this one. Uh, and Oh, though before I do want to talk about it, I also want to give a, a shout-out to Kevin Kinnear for the score because the music in this episode is also fantastically done. They do a really nice job. Again, it's a cartoon. It's animated. You think there's a sort of a, a, a children's element to it all. Uh, but this episode is so intense, and it's so uh, quickly paced, and the music helps sell that so much that that uh, uh, you, would, you would be hard-pressed to have an episode that gets your heart beating as much as this one does without that really great score in, in place. So a uh, big shout out on this episode. I mean, the music's great on this, on this series overall, but in this episode, it really helps uh, deliver on that intensity that you want to have as you're watching it, as you're kind of feeling what your heroes are going through. So again, this gets to my favorite sequence, which is Anakin leading the charge, leading through the shield there, and it's this big, long, sweeping uh, camera view angle just follows Anakin as he and his troopers are just charging in to the heart of this droid factory. So the not the heart of the factory itself, but to the to the entrance. And they're under fire, and it's just awesome. Uh, again, the World War II element is right there. This is like a World War II movie with Jedi Knights. And <laughs> that's a kind of a fun idea right there. And they really get to do it in this episode, and I think it really, really delivers in a lot of areas. So big, big stuff here. Uh, we get to the, uh, the the classic part of the, of this episode. Oh, actually, you know, I, I did jump ahead. I wanted to mention uh, Obi Wan's forces being pinned down by this by this by the by the Geonosian forces, and it looks like they're going to have to brace to make their final stand. And uh, you know, and you know, Obi Wan reluctantly, battered, beaten, holding his ribs, gets up, activates his lightsaber, like this is it, this is the Alamo for me, and and uh, that's that's when you get that again that classic World War Two. 
homage of the of the of the you know air support coming in to save the day and just bomb the living bejesus out of those forces. That's that's you might know that quote, but <laughs> but but again, it's a, a wonderful homage to that genre of films. You know, we we've seen that movie before where. There, the our our heroes, our our soldiers are facing overwhelming odds. Defeat looms; it's imminent, and then the airstrike comes in, and air support comes in, and and they drop the bombs, and they 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 get those forces, and give them a chance to fight their way back out of things, and and that's exactly what happens here, and that is how our our three Jedi's reunite, I should say, which then leads to Anakin's wonderful wonderful charge sequence, which again I really 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 enjoyed. Woo! And again, because this ap- this episode is so action packed and so quickly paced, uh, there's not a lot to, uh, to 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 really dissect here. There's not a lot of uh, uh, information to parse or, or clues to dissect future events from. I did think it was rather interesting. I I was I had sort of conflicted feelings about Anakin and Ahsoka having sort of like the running kill count, and I, I guess the only reason why I just I ultimately don't think it's a big deal is because like they're just killing droids but it'd be i think it'd be odd for jedi to be uh, uh counting their kills of sentient beings so again they're killing they're only killing droids so i guess that's not that big a deal but it was just something that kind of struck me as, as a little interesting and like would this have played as well well no i guess they're killing geonosians too aren't they hmm i don't know yeah maybe that it just rubs me as a little dark <laughs> Maybe that's just a little dark, but as as we see with the final clip of the episode, uh, Key Adamundi not above playing that game as well. I'll never understand how you can simplify these battles into some kind of game. Well, take care of yourselves. I expect to see both of you back here by the time I've destroyed the main factory. We shall do our best. Sixty-five, Skywalker. Um, sorry. My total. 65. So what do I win? My everlasting respect, Master Mundy. Oh. That is a gift Anakin rarely bestows. I assure you. Uh, we're about to wrap up, but I did, I did uh, neglect one thing. Uh, in the battle, when, when, when Anakin and Ahsoka are on top of the wall with Rex and uh, they're attempting to blow that wall up, uh, I do like the sequence there where... Uh, Rex is able to sneak through the droidica's shields and blast its head off. And then Anakin does a similar move where he slides underneath the droidica's shields and it lightsabers him in half. That, that, that is a really cool sequence. And I also liked it when they chucked uh, Rex off the wall using the Force. Uh, and he just said, just, you know, next time just let me jump. And Anakin's like, nope, that's not as much fun. So I wanted to shout that out a little bit too. I thought that was a really cool, cool, cool sequence. This episode is is rock solid. It's eight and a half. The action, the intensity... Uh, the, that that final charge that Anakin makes at the end with the, with his troopers is so well done, so well shot. The music is pitch perfect in this episode. Eight and a half, easy, 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 easy episode to to watch and enjoy. And this episode kind of kicks off, you know, the next four or five episodes in in the season. So uh, yeah, we're gonna be back covering those, breaking those down, and uh, and it gets weird. There's some weird stuff coming up in these in this, these uh, these Genosis episodes. So uh, get ready. Just keep your bucket on, especially when you see what's coming uh, like two or three episodes down the line. You're going to want your bucket on real tight for those ones. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. Well, listen, we're going to wrap this up. We're going to get out of here. Again, you know the format by now. Uh, On Fridays, we're doing our Bad Batch coverage. And then on Mondays, we are typically dropping new episodes of 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 our Star Wars Clone Wars rewatch. 
though we are sprinkling in uh, some new content, some different content on Mondays as well. You may have noticed the uh, the Ewoks, Caravan of Courage, made its way into the feed uh, last week, and we had a lot of fun doing that. And at some point, we'll, we're going to sneak the uh, the Battle for Endor into your feed as well, and that'll probably drop on a Monday as well. Just because I don't want to, I don't want to give you guys a thousand podcasts listening to, to during the week. Um, maybe I'm maybe I'm making a mistake by not doing that. But yeah, every now and again we might supplement a, a Monday Clone War episode with something like Caravan of Courage and Battle for Endor, and we are going to get to the the Gennady Tartakovsky uh, uh, Clone War series as well. So I mean that might just be sprinkled in on Mondays for for the time being, you know, because Bad Batch doesn't keep us pretty busy on Fridays, so. Yeah, it's fun to mix it up a little bit. That's going to keep it fresh. Going to keep it real, real fresh. And I know how fresh you all like your podcasts. All right, so thank you so much for listening to this independent Star Wars podcast, MandoVision. That's our name. Make sure you follow us on social media, Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. Email the show, MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. And I am Tom. I am the host of MandoVision. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. We would not be here without all the support we can get. From all you fine listeners who take the time to download, listen, and uh, engage with us on social media. That is one of my favorite things about the show is, is, is having the engagement and talking to people. We're talking about Star Wars, man. There's Oh, that's such a good feeling to talk about Star Wars with, with people who enjoy it as much as you do. It's, uh, it's a real thrill, a real treat, a real, real delight. So with that being said, next time you hear us, yeah, it's going to be Bad Batch time. And uh, I hope you guys are enjoying, guys and gals, excuse me, or uh, maybe I should just keep it gender neutral. I hope everyone is enjoying that show as much as I am. And, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know what else to say. I don't want to say too much about The Bad Batch on here, just in case people aren't watching that as quickly. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to keep that We're gonna keep that conversation to those episodes specifically. But just keep your bucket on. That's the best way to do things. All right, let's get out of here. Let's wrap it up. My name is Tom. This is the Men Division Podcast, and this podcast can only end one way. And this is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way.